I myself grew up not loving bugs, not loving to see them, being feeling invaded by them when I encountered them. And I actually have some sort of gnarly childhood memories of like finding beloved books that I left in the treehouse, like crawling with bugs and stuff. And like, you know, I've had, I've had fear or disgust or whatever the reactions to bugs like sort of baked into me, but I have really done a good job getting over it. However, I notice that lots of people haven't. And I wonder what you think the deal is with that and whether there are like historical factors in it or whether it's, it's like really about the present moment and just sort of the way of the way people live right now, or like what, like what is given that you love them and you take like loving, gorgeous, not scary photos of them. Uh, I know you see them differently from this. And so I wonder what you think the deal is with the way that people see and relate to bugs. I'm not surprised to hear that, that they, of your fear and disgust. And, and, and I guess that's, you know, one thing that's been coming up a lot recently. And, um, as I've posted more and more bugs, mm-hmm. <laughs> my loving pictures of bugs and, and shared that more and more is, um, realizing just how big that fear and disgust is, uh, for some people and, and collectively. And I think I posted about that recently, you know, about our collective bug trauma and our collective bug karma. And, um, you know, I, we all have, most of us, I think, have experiences like that where we have encountered bugs that have bitten or stung Mm -hmm. or disgusted or annoyed us to some degree that has left a serious impression on us Mm -hmm. and in ways that a lot of other even maybe animals that we consider threatening like snakes or wolves or bears or sharks you know we may not even encounter one of those in our lifetime some Mm -hmm. people you know you kind of got to go looking for those a little bit more and so bugs, we, we, they're in our lives, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and we, they have, we've had these encounters and, and we have also probably killed more bugs than mm-hmm. anything else in our lives. Um, and I, you know, just the feeling that was coming up recently, uh, someone posted that they had unfollowed uh, someone else for posting high quality or pictures of bugs, high resolution pictures yeah. of bugs with no sort of warning, sensitivity warning, content warning or something like that. And we talked about their trauma response, you know, or triggered and, and it just, the feeling that came up was, wow, this is so much bigger than one lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, what got me thinking about the karma of bugs too. And and not only have we killed a lot of bugs in our individual lives, probably inadvertently at at best, if not uh, (laughs) on purpose, you know, or, or just uh, out of reflex almost. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but bugs have killed a lot more of us mm -hmm. than almost anything. I think they say, you know, mosquitoes alone have killed um, more more people than most other animals. And so it, it just, despite their size, they have so much power over us. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that instills a fear and disgust that you mm. said you know and and they are they are very alien to us in so many ways you know a lot of other vertebrates mammals fish frogs whatever you know we can see ourselves in them i think a little bit more easily than mm -hmm. insects and insects there's a sort of indifference to their nature that i think people find threatening sometimes and there's just sort of a the qualities about them that, that make them hard to relate and make them seem sort of alien. I think they show up in science fiction as the aliens a lot, mm -hmm. insectoids, you know, and mm -hmm. they're omnipresent in, in almost, you know, in most cases on Earth. And, and you can't help but interact with them and, and they will invade your space. They will take what is yours mm -hmm. <laughs> without thought <laughs> and yeah they will try to harm you they will try to um, defend their territory and you know we have spent so much energy as a species learning how to deal with them mm -hmm. uh, draining swamps mm -hmm. and and covering everything we can with ddt and you know and and all of these different things that we've done over the generations and it's just there's so much karma there there's so much history there of of seeing them as the enemy and mm. seeing them as something to be away from who are they really to themselves like this is the thing that i feel like causes the response in people that they're aliens, right? We don't mm -hmm. know how, we don't know how to see the environment the way they do and know what they need out of them. Like, is there anything you can say about them as like a whole kingdom of life that is that, that gives them the, like the nobility that any life form deserves? There are many species of insects. I don't know if it's most, that at some form, some point in their life cycle, they are basically handing their survival over to faith. They have laid an egg, they have pupated, they have gone and buried themselves in the ground or in the stalk of a dying plant. And they said, This winter, I hope I make it. Mm. And entire species you know they, they they're basically counting on things going right while they sleep for however long it is cicadas 17 years in some species you know things like that and they are just trying to get by like the rest of us <laughs> And 
they do it in a very different way, but you know, they, you know, that's why they lay thousands of eggs because they need every chance they can get. Mm -hmm. A lot of those things are, you know, those eggs will, will never hatch. They'll be eaten long before that. The nymphs or, or larva will be eaten before that, you know, and the very few that make it to adulthood or, or whatever, you know, they're, they are still so fragile in that individual power and they're still depending on a lot of things to go right in the environment and to to keep pressing on you know the right plants have to grow so many insects are dependent on one or a few species of plant or one particular family of plant that plant has a bad year well <laughs> things are looking bad you know a lot of people have heard of the monarchs Mm -hmm. and how dependent monarchs are on milkweed and and, and there are thousands of miles of migration multi-generational migration across the continent every year and that's all just depending on those plants being there when they leave and, and knowing that they usually are on some instinct and and the interconnectedness of all of it as i've gotten into more naturalist stuff and and everything you know insects were kind of the final piece of the puzzle in, the, mm. in some way i'd started with birds and that expanded the plants and then last year insects really jumped in there and, and they caterpillars alone transform transfer more biomass up, up the food chain than any other single category of being I'm pretty sure. And so they have a very vital role and they're 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 very important and they are a sign of a healthy ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And our attempts to distance ourselves from them or, or reduce their successfulness mm -hmm. <laughs> um, have have hurt I've heard these ecosystems, you know, and, and if, if, a, if a chickadee will feed one nestling, like 3,000 caterpillars. Mm. And so if there's not enough caterpillars, there's the birds can't survive. They can't. And if the plants aren't there for the caterpillars. And, and so they, they play their role. Wasps are, are pest control. They keep other insect populations down. Some of these insects that we fear specifically, you know, they, they play such a big part. Can you tell me about the the leap? You said you said they you, you almost it all you almost made it sound like they physically did it, like that you were instead learning about plants and then the bugs got in there was almost like the language that you said, which I just loved because it's like very evocative of how bugs do. But but yeah, can, yeah. Can, you, can you tell me more about that from like the point of view of your studies? Like what like what? What were you hitting on that that turned you in that direction? Well, there uh, it, it it coincided with doing my master naturalist training last year, and we had this amazing weekend for our arthropod workshop where we, um, Dr. Charles Allen is a brilliant botanist, and he's gotten into insects in his retirement as well, and um, he has like a mile and a half. Uh, trail with moth sheets, but with uh, this mercury vapor lights and it brings in thousands and thousands of moths every night and insects of all kinds. I think I saw 200 and 
40 something species of moth that in two days or something like that on those moth sheets. So just in his few acres of, of, you know, amazing land that he's built up native plants on for, for decades on now. But so that master naturalist training sort of coincided with my discovery of, um, or my falling in love with this, uh, bug called the scarlet bodied wasp moth. Mm. Um, uh, which is a, a moth, a uh, day flying moth that is bright red, uh, with black translucent wings and white tipped antenna. And he's got these metallic blue iridescent spots all over them. And, and, um, I had been hearing about them since moving back to Louisiana from Oregon, uh, but I'd never seen one. And then all of a sudden during my master naturalist training, I saw one for the first time. And then I saw one here at home for the first time just a couple of days later and then i saw like three in one day and i was just you know in love and then um one morning this one dying bone set plant was covered in two dozen of them which i was phenomenal you know and and these moths they're dependent on this one genus of plants Eupatorium, uh, and they collect toxic compounds. The males collect to toxic compounds from these plants, and to protect themselves, and to shower the females with uh, as a chemical defense mm -hmm. before and after mating. And they are the only species in the world that does this. Mm -hmm. And they live here, um, South Louisiana, and, and around the Gulf Coast. And discovering this beautiful, strange <laughs> creature that has all these, you know, natural warning signals, bright red, looks like made it, it's a wasp mimic. It looks scary. It's, it's telling you to leave it alone. Mm -hmm. And it's so gentle and it's so small and it's so beautiful and There was just, there's just something about it that it changed. There was a connection there, I guess, that was made, that, that deepened. And I started to see more and more insects around and started to really pay attention to all the different pollinators, which then, as I was looking at the pollinators, I would see the other bugs on the plants, the spiders and the ants and everything else. And, and it's just, it's a dance. It's this beautiful, you know, web, <laughs> I guess, of life and beauty and strangeness that is almost invisible to us most of the time. Mm. And if we, when we take that closer look, it's, it's incredible what we will start to see. So it started from one species. Surely it wasn't like the first time you had run into bugs in your learning about naturalism. Yeah, I've been, I've been learning about them more. And, and when I would see one, happen to see one when I was out doing naturalist stuff, it'd be like, oh, cool. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. there was a shift there where I started looking for them, uh -huh. you know, and where this spring I was flipping up the underside of oak leaves every morning, just because <laughs> every time I did uh, some alien would be there you know and and so yeah it was uh, uh i i continue to be amazed so you had some kind of awakening about 
that layer of reality that this one being or species brought you through into and you just use the word alien again and you said and you and and also in your description of the beauty you use the word strangeness also as though like that's part of what's beautiful does it become more familiar feeling to you this the the natural world itself as you get more like of a vaster perspective like the, the more the far the like maybe there's like a middle where it's like this is very weird and different from my own environment <laughs> but like is 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 that is that what it feels like it's like you push past that and suddenly there's this like great beyond that feels like home yeah absolutely one thing about the naturalist work that like spiritual work or for me it, the, the, well, the line between them are is more and more blurred anyway. But um, it it does as you as you go deeper, it expands and expands and and you start to learn the rhythms of these insects, these bugs. You start to know where they're going to be. You start to know what role they're playing as I'm looking through photos and learning more about them and, and learning how to distinguish one species from another, they become more and more familiar. And I, I, I can notice when there's a new one around that, I, you know, a new dragonfly that I haven't seen before kind of thing. And, and yeah, that, that familiarity and that, that feeling of there is much a part of that, of being here and being home and and the place that you were in as everything else they they are as big as the plants as big as the trees as big as the bears <laughs> you know they are they are they're beings to be appreciated and and so often they're not only unappreciated but villainized in their alienness and their strangeness and the more and more i look the more and more i see that they are as as delicate and beautiful and intricate as any flower or sunset or any other beauty of the natural world they 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 have it all in them <laughs> 